This reading is taken from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 14. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you've learned and received and heard and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but had no opportunity to show it. Not that I'm referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well fed and of going hungry of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In any case, it was kind of you to share my distress. The reading comes from Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 17. About that time, King Herod laid violent hands upon some who belonged to the church. He had James, the brother of John, killed with a sword After he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the festival of unleavened bread. When he had seized him, he put him in prison and handed him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending to bring him out to the people after Passover. While Peter was kept in prison, the church prayed fervently to God for him. The very night before Herod was going to bring him out, Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers, while guards in front of the door were keeping watch over the prison. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He tapped Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. Then the chains fell off his wrists. The angel said to him, Fasten your belt and put on your sandals. He did so. And then he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Peter went out and followed him. He did not realize that what was happening with the angel's help was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. After they had passed the first and the second guard, they came before the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went outside and walked along the lane, when suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hands of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. As soon as he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark where many had gathered and were praying. 
when he knocked at the outer gate, a maid named Rhoda came to answer. On recognising Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the gate, she ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she insisted that it was so. They said, it is his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the gate, they saw him and were amazed. He motioned to them with his hands to be silent and described for them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he added, Tell this to James and to the believers. Then he left and went to another place. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is our patronal festival, the Feast of St Peter and Paul, and I'm trying not to think about the fact that in normal years we'd have been preparing for a lovely strawberry tea this afternoon. It's just one of many things that have gone by the board over these last few months of disappointment. Of course, it's nothing to the suffering of those who've lost loved ones, those whose health has been permanently damaged, those who are worried about their jobs. But sometimes the small things hit home in big ways, reminding us that life isn't as it was, that nothing is certain, not even a strawberry tea. At the moment, some people are emerging a bit from lockdown as shops and other places open. We're thinking about how we might resume some sort of worship in the church building in the coming weeks. But these podcasts will continue, even when we do that, for as long as they need to because I know that for many, that freedom is still far off. Some will need to shield themselves for quite a while yet, and will probably find this time even more difficult as they see others getting out and about. Even for those who can meet physically, there'll be all sorts of restrictions we'll have to observe. It's no accident that we've called this experience lockdown. Of course, it's nothing like really being in prison, But for many it has been lonely and miserable, especially if they've been in cramped or inadequate housing, or if their homes are unhappy or abusive places. Even the luckiest amongst us have had to deal with severe limits to our freedoms, and we don't tend to find that easy to cope with. That's why this year, from the vast array of stories about Peter and Paul in the Bible, I chose the one we've just heard from the Acts of the Apostles and the reading from Philippians too, because as we'll discover, they remind us that our patron saints were people who knew all about lockdown. In the strange story from Acts, Peter is locked down very literally, chained between two guards in King Herod's prison. James, one of his closest friends, had been killed by Herod, and Peter must have been fairly sure he'd be next. But it wasn't so. In the middle of the night, an angel appeared to him, wreathed in light. I did say it was a strange story. His chains fell off and the doors sprang open. It wasn't until he found himself standing in the street that he realised it wasn't a dream, that he really was free. And it seemed equally unbelievable to his friends, particularly the maid, Rhoda, who answered his knock at the door. 
It's probably significant that we're told her name. We don't need to be for the sake of the story. She could simply have been the maid. So the fact that she's named probably means that those who first heard this story would have known her. Oh, that was Rhoda. Poor Rhoda, I bet she never lived it down. The night she left Peter, the foremost apostle, the leader of the church, standing on the doorstep. But it's a measure of how astonishing his release was that she did so. Peter shouldn't have been there, and yet there he was. Eventually he would be executed by the Romans, but for now he was free and able to carry on the ministry he'd been called to. The first reading we heard from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi might not seem to have any obvious prison connections at first glance, but if we'd read the whole of the letter, we'd have discovered that it was actually written from a prison cell. Paul had been imprisoned by the Romans, as he was several times, and he wasn't expecting a miraculous deliverance. For all he knew, these might be his last days, the end of the story for him. And yet his letter is full of joy. Rejoice in the Lord always, he says, even now, even here. That little phrase sounds very different when you know it was written in prison. These aren't glib, saccharine words from an inspirational poster. They are hard-won wisdom. Paul talks about how he's learned to be content with whatever he has. In those days, prisoners only ate if their friends or family brought them food. The Christians in Philippi have rather belatedly sent him money, but he wants to reassure them that though he appreciates their help, he will be okay, because as he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. His body may be in prison, but his soul, his spirit, his heart is free. There are no bars that can confine him. He lives in the wide expanse of God's love. Freedom is a theme which runs right through the Bible. Near the beginning of its story, Moses led the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt to freedom in the Promised Land. Later on, the Jewish people were delivered from imprisonment of another kind, their long exile in Babylon. The Old Testament was largely drawn together in that time or shortly after it, shaped by and for those who lived with the daily reality of oppression. By the time of Jesus, Israel was dominated by the Romans, and once again people longed for freedom. They looked for a Messiah, literally an anointed one, who defeat their enemies and lead them to political independence. If only they could break the yoke of Roman rule, they thought that all would be well. At first, the crowds believed they'd found that liberating Messiah in Jesus. But when the Romans crucified him, that support ebbed away. Just a few of his followers stuck with him, and even they were none too sure what his message really meant if it wasn't about the overthrow of Roman rule. It was the resurrection that revealed it to them. If death couldn't hold Jesus prisoner, then what was there to fear from any other sort of imprisonment or oppression? The prisons which hold us most securely aren't the ones made of stone and iron, but the prisons of fear we build around ourselves. 
Knowing that God hadn't abandoned Jesus as he hung on the cross, even when all had seemed lost, meant that they were able to face the hardships that came their way too. If God is for us, who can be against us, said Paul in another of his letters. And that wasn't just pie in the sky when you die to him, a consoling promise of something better to come in the hereafter. His experience of God's presence set him free to live fully in the here and now, to rejoice in the Lord always, to find the peace that passed human understanding, love that overflowed to others, even in a prison cell. Today, we may not be able to enjoy a strawberry tea together. We may not be able to meet with friends or travel off on holiday. We may be living with restrictions which chafe and frustrate us in the short or the long term because of COVID-19 or for a host of other reasons. But like Peter and Paul, we are called to discover the true freedom which comes from knowing we are loved indestructibly by God, an infectious freedom which sets others around us on the road to freedom too. As Charles Wesley describes it in the hymn which will close our worship today, referring to that story of Peter's release, My chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Amen. The special prayer for the feast of St Peter and St Paul. Almighty God, whose blessed apostles Peter and Paul glorified you in their death as in their life, grant that your church, inspired by their teaching and example, and made one by your Spirit, may ever stand firm upon the one foundation, Jesus Christ your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.